Listening Dog Media. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. The Rugby Podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. Welcome to Rocket on today's episode. We'll be speaking to Joe Simpson of Gloucester in England and Nelson Mandela's eldest daughter, Dr. Mackie Mandela. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. Hi, and um, I believe we have Dr. Mackie Mandela from Johannesburg. Uh, welcome to Rocket, Dr. Mandela. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very good. First of all, with, with coronavirus, just give us an update. I do hope everyone in the family, uh, how are things over there? How are you coping with lockdown? I'm coping very well. So everybody's doing very well. Yeah, there are are problems in some areas, but uh, that's the nature of this disease. It's global. It's not just South Africa. No, well, you may may say I'm here with Nick Easter and myself. I'm I'm, I'm losing my hair and putting on weight. Um, But... um, but listen, it's it's great to have you um, on the show. And um, uh, for those who don't know yourself, being eldest daughter to Nelson Mandela, I was actually there in 1995 when I was playing for England. Uh, we played against uh, New Zealand in the semi-finals and and got our backsides whipped against New Zealanders. And nobody thought that South Africa, being the home nation in that final, would would actually beat New Zealand. But there was a a wonderful moment as I was in the stadium there. Um, I guess you were there too. But to see Nelson come out onto the pitch wearing the the very the very sort of um, poignant shirt, the South African green shirt with number six on the back. Do you, what was that moment like for you? I think that was a special moment, you know, um, to see my dad uh, work on the field uh, with a jersey. Well, well, Nelson did have the famous quote, sport has the power to change the world. And uh, it's very interesting, um, you know, looking at South Africa, who've obviously won it in, you know, so, but actually recently winning, yeah, uh, in, in, yeah in 2019, mm-hmm. um, in that final against England, which was very annoying to, uh, to play, you know, to, to beat England in that final. But um, what's that done? for South Africa and the, you know, the mood in South Africa over the last, uh, you know, I suppose, year? I think it has uh, um, raised the mood of the people and encouraged at least, you know, a lot of the young uh, black players that they they can uh, reach the pinnacle of their profession of their career. Uh, I mean, it was, uh, you know, a black captain who led them to victory. So that was very exciting news. And I think it boosted the morale of South Africa because, uh, you know, we haven't been winning that much, you know, over the past years. <laughs> no. Uh, hello, uh, hello um, Dr. Mackey. Um, I spent a year, year and a half in South Africa, 2018-2019, coaching a rugby team yeah. out there. And, and a, n- a number of the players... Um, uh, who were in my team, which was the Sharks, so Durban, they, they re- were representing South Africa in in that final. And just like Sia, you know, their upbringing came from abject poverty, um, yeah. having, having to walk, you know, 14 kilometres just to get a training to be told it's off. Um, not only that, but also um, be the only provider for, you know, a huge family, some of which, you know, 
were, were murdered. Um, real, real um, sad stories, but uh, tremendous also journeys for the individual concerned. And as you say, you know, the appointment of Sia, um, these other black players that came along, Mapimpi, who scored that, you know, the try in the final, you know, okay. set up by Luca, Luca Am as well. Um, those guys, uh, I think it's slightly different to 95, isn't it, in terms of the personnel um, and, and, what, and what sort of legacy this can leave on South Africa. And, you know, just in the last sort of months before lockdown, what sort of benefits have you seen throughout the sort of communities in South Africa that uh, that win's done? Uh, I, I think, uh, as I said, it has boosted a lot of morale and I think it has given hope to a lot of young people, as you say, who come from abject poverty. Because, for instance, I mean, my roots are, East, are in the Eastern Cape. And uh, Eastern Cape is one of the most poor regions of South Africa. But uh, rugby is, is one of the sports really that uh, played uh, in, in South Africa, uh, uh, in the Eastern Cape. And, and that's why my mom liked rugby, my brother liked rugby. You know, all people from the Eastern Cape like rugby as a, as, as a sport. But I, I think that it encourages our children, especially those from poor that they, they can achieve anything they want to achieve in South Africa these days. And sport has been an outlet for, for many of the poor, you know, young people today, you know. It has given them a, a, an outlet out of poverty, really. Yeah, 100%. And those players actually come from the Eastern Cape. There's a boatload of talent there. Kieran brought up, you know, the iconic number six shirt. Where is it now? That your that your dad wore um, for the final. Where where is that number six shirt? Who's got it? I I think somebody's got it. I won't mention it because I don't think they would like me to to say that they have. Yeah, well, it's probably worth quite a bit of money, actually, isn't it? Now, yeah. Um, you've also you know you do a lot of work, um, for charitable work, um, you know, and have some businesses set up and supporting it. If you, you know, if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about, you know, the House of Mandela, you know, that, that charity that you've set up in terms of the fundraising and, uh, you know, the good it does. The House of Mandela Foundation really is, is, is set up to do four things which are basically underpin uh, my father's values. And uh, one of them really is, is, is to focus really on, on lack of a better word, what I call a food security agriculture, because a lot of people don't didn't know that my father was an added farmer who, who planted a lot of uh, vegetables, had cows, had uh, piggery, chickens, and uh, would actually involve the local community in Kunu, in the Eastern Cape where we really come from. So one of our pillars in our foundation is really to do that and, and to create a, a teaching farm out of the homestead that we have in the Eastern Cape so that we can teach local people how to how to actually grow better vegetables because if you go to the eastern cape today a lot of the land is lying foul uh, and I, I and i think that without food you are not going to get a, a society that is productive uh, and you, you are not going to get people who are healthy especially in the area where we are living where um of COVID, and we see that there's lots of food shortages uh, not just in South Africa, but all over the world. And the other area that we are focusing on is on um, on health, uh, education, and uh, obviously women's empowerment. 
those are the areas that we are focusing on. And in regards, you know, lockdown over there, you know, just changing the subject matter a little bit, uh, is, is the end in, in sight to re, sort of releasing or easing the lockdown? No, our peak is said to be in September. And although uh, the president announced yesterday that uh, we're going to phase three, which is uh, relaxing some of the lockdown regulations, uh, however, we are seeing areas like uh, the Western Cape where the numbers are increasing uh, very, very, you know, not in a good way. And we still have, you know, all the metros, Johannesburg, uh, Devon, Port Elizabeth, and the hotspots of the coronavirus. So, we, you know, we haven't gotten into winter yet. We are now going to winter and it's expected that the cases are going to increase. But hopefully it won't be as bad as the UK. <laughs> no, 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 hopefully not. Hopefully not. You know, stay, stay safe and well, uh, Mackie. Great to have you on. Brilliant to have you on. Um, a figure such as yourself and uh, the work you're doing. Um, stay safe. Stay healthy. Stay well. Um, and find and that shirt. Yeah. Well, I think she knows where the shirt is, but uh, don't reveal where it's gone. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. The brand new rugby podcast. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. Thanks to Dr. Mackie Mandela. Um, up next, we have Gloucester's number nine, Joe Simpson. How are you guys? Great great timing, Joe, because we were just uh, we were talking about our, our Rodman and Pippen uh, personalities, pl- players that we played with, talking about the last dance. And I did see on, I think it was on Twitter, about a month ago, yeah, uh, you doing you you had this pose where you you'd obviously worked out for about two hours and you had your shirt off and you said something like, "Look at the rack on this." Is that is that right? It, it's, what was that all about? Um, uh, let me get it up. It was it was basically a plea. Um, I was I was begging for some weight equipment and it was actually a face swap. So I face swapped my <laughs> face onto Jason Statham's body. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> and and oh. basically being like, can anyone can can anyone help me maintain this? I reckon I I'm probably I in the shape. Did they come calling? Did you get the help? They are. Um, no one directly, but I had um, one of my old friends who used to work at Max Muscle, Mark Morgan. Yeah, he put me in touch with Ray's Fitness, R A Z E, and they messaged and they're like, yeah, we're keen, um, and sent me over couple of plates, four plates, a couple of uh, bands, and what else did I get? And a medicine ball. So they sorted me out straight away, which was... Which do you was not great. get any weight? Do you not get any weights off the club then? We do, but I... I but you're, not, you're not a big one for weights, are you, mate? I'm more of a runner. You've got a speed I, equipment. I, um, I was ill, so I think I had coronavirus just as we went into lockdown. So I was wiped out socially. I didn't isolated. want to infect any equipment. No, exactly. For for the two weeks when the equipment was given out, and also, um, I thought I'd let the, the big you've not been tested then, so you didn't no, have no. it. Well, I ha- I, yeah, I uh, my um, my fiance is a doctor, and so she's been she's been working hard, but she got struck down with it as well. It's it's tricky if you're both in the same house not to. Yeah, kind of. We tried yeah. to distance in separate rooms and stuff like that but um she was she was in hospital for a few days with appendicitis which was i think a kind of side uh wow psychic to the covid um 
but it's, yeah, it's it's tricky. But we're 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 fine now. Being able to work out a fair bit and just kind of building up my running to yeah. uh, my running rehab. So. So earlier on in the show, I was telling, um, I was plugging my own skills guru videos. So I'm doing, I'm doing a, uh, basically a passing sessions. So I do like to they say, still, when, it's not a spin passing one because they didn't in his day when he played. No, so, no, no. They were so, playing so, ball about five times heavier back in your day. Wasn't they it? were, but anyway, I, I basically, skill, if you have a look, you might learn a bit from when I coached you years ago. People ask me who I coach, and I, I do mention you along with other people. So. Listen, it's great to see you prolonging your career going to Gloucester and the amount of tries that you score were absolutely fantastic. So how influential, firstly, was I in your career? And secondly, what's it like being at a new club at, at Gloucester and uh, being playing, playing with a new team? Yeah, I've, I've been blessed over the years to have a number of very good scrum half coaches. So I, I have had a, a wealth of an embarrassment of riches there. Um, I think you probably were the one that worked most one-on-one I think you were just kind of you were considering what you were going to do next in your life and you kind of I think I approached you but you I remember you taking um you driving down to our training ground in Twyford for an hour hour session almost weekly or I'll drive up to you um and I do and I do think you my my skills improved incredibly um that was what I think one of my work was back in the day uh, so my passing and kicking and stuff like that, and we we had plenty of hours out on the training pitch, and just, we, just on the training pitch. It sounds like you had plenty of hours in the bedroom, mate. I was going. This is a proper loving. This is, isn't it? Oh, skills improve, mate. Everyone oh, knows. Isolation gets everyone, happy, everyone knows, Simo, that a number nine is nothing without his number eight. A number nine is yeah, but it was absolutely nothing. Can you're, I, only half, say, you're only half the player without your number eight, aren't you, Simo? Yeah. Well, listen, listen, Nick. We're, we're, we're talking to an intelligent back here. You don't need to sort of like uh, make, make make it down and dirty. But I'm just jealous. I'm do, just jealous, mate. I do remember though, Joe. I remember because uh, I saw how fast you were, and I, this is like I, I think I'd retired for four, four or five years. So I remember doing the, the skill sessions with you passing, and then I said, "Come on, let's have a little race. I just want to see how quick you really are." And you went, "Yeah, all right." I said, well, okay, so to, I said, let's make it 15 yards, right? And and I said, on one condition that I say go, right? And I do remember thinking, if I say go, I'm definitely going to beat him over 15. And I'm not, I'm not being funny, Nick. He, I, 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 got, I got to... I got to 10, 10 yards, 10 metres, and he'd finish 15 metres. Mate, I've played against him many times, mate. I do believe it. I do believe it. It was great. But- um, Simon, we yeah. had um, Louis Rees-Samit on uh, yeah. a few weeks ago. Speed tests, genuine answer now. Um, you got nothing to prove to nobody, okay? Who beats two? He... He sneaked it, unfortunately. We, we get... We're GPSed up every session at Gloucester and our Thursday session is our speed session. So that's where they want us to get hit our PBs, yeah. um, get fresh, feel good, run fast into the weekend. And I think I had the fastest speed um, in the squad for the first few months. Then the track started to dry out and he got a, he got a PB. He was the first person to hit five meters a second or something like that in the squad. So he sneaked me by like 0.01 on meter per second um, halfway through the season unfortunately alright so you're, you're still in the top two mate still in the top I'm still two still in the top two but we've got some quick boys at the squad 
Um, Ollie Thorley is quick. Charlie Sharples yeah. is quick. You got Johnny May coming back as well this season. Aren't you? Johnny May, yeah, he's not a slouch. Um, yeah, so we've got some some explosive backs. So what? So look, all I could see when I saw you the first few games with Gloucester, though, all I could see is you scoring tries. I was like, holy cow, that's brilliant! So that must have been a real buzz. Especially, what's it like being new crowd, the shed, new environment, new team? Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I always love playing in, in front of the shed as a as a wasp. Um, uh, you both know that there's some grounds you get a, a great atmosphere. Others others can be a bit dead sometimes, and you don't get that buzz back, but you, you know... Oh, Allianz Ali, Ali Park, yeah. yeah. Allianz Park, yeah. Victory Road, yeah. AJ yeah. Bell. Um, um, but but the, uh, the Gloucester crowd are fantastic. Um, they obviously kind of... They're extremely positive. They, they've maintained their, their noise throughout the season, even though we weren't going that well. Um, but yeah, just to get a couple of early tries, we weren't playing the proper matches, so we we're only playing the LV matches, which which don't really count. I think Hask referred to them. He didn't he didn't realise what LV cap matches were for the first ten years of his career. It was only when he started getting a bit old and slow that he started having to play. And he was like, "Hang on, I thought this was the Louis Vuitton Cup. I've never heard of this. This is when I meant to be in Dubai, sunning myself, getting, a free, bag, getting a free bag." Yeah. You, mate, Simo, you've been around the game a long, long time, and. Uh, um, well, fortunately and unfortunately, what's been happening in this lockdown, you've probably watched a few, is they've repeated old games. And when I say old games, I don't mean sort of back in 1990, you know, probably five years, six, seven years old. And you watch and you go, wow, the game has changed a lot even from then. And you were playing, you know, back then. I remember you coming to the World Cup in 2011. In terms of the role of the nine, in terms of, you know, your primary attributes you need to bring to the game, has much changed for you, do you think? Uh, I think it's pretty similar. Uh, now there's, there's a bit more creativity allowed. Um, you have a bit more difference. I, I remember coming into the Wasps setup, and this was when Wasps were extremely successful, and all they wanted the nine to do was just pass to, pass to the 10 in between the 15s and then pass to the fours around the corner and get into the fives, and that's all they wanted to do. You, had, you basically had to be fit. And get there. Now there's a lot more, a uh, lot more pressure on the nine shoulders when you're kind of guiding the team around the pitch. The nine probably is the one that takes the main main role in exiting these days. Yeah, as the kicking game's got to be stronger. Um, but I, f- I feel just like the physicality around the pitch. I remember when I first started playing, I wasn't particularly big, but when you play against a team, you knew there would be three or four guys who would smash you, three or four real physical um, top-class players. But then there were quite a few people that were just kind of hanging in there and didn't kind of pose a massive threat. Whereas now, whole squads are absolute freaks. Mm. The physicality of it has gone up immensely. Um, so it's a bit more... Trying it to- has. This, like- this brings me on to a point. We've debated this, myself and Brax is, look, we, we don't know when rugby's going to be back, Premiership Rugby, but a lot of sounds, you know, clearly the, you know, the clubs can't agree to how long the boys need to be back in training to get up to match fit, you know, level and, uh, you know, get their physiques back to what they were. Myself and Brax think, actually, why do you need to get up to that level? Because wouldn't it be actually 
not a better value product maybe, but actually much more interesting on the eye. Say you just had three weeks to prepare yourself and you had the natural athletes come through or the natural guys that kept themselves fit and fast throughout this period, the ones that haven't. And actually it was a little bit more um, like it used to be 20 years ago where, you know, someone like you, you could probably exploit the less fit or the less sort of gym monkey type players, you know, the ones that put the bulk on. And uh, I don't know what your thoughts are. You'd probably prefer that, wouldn't you, if they didn't have sort of eight weeks to get back into the same physical shape they were before. (laughs) Whatever gets us back up to 100% wages. Um, (laughs) I think it's, it's a tricky one. Obviously, the game has become immensely, so much more professional than it used to be. And we've still got a lot, a long way to go. Um, the the boys, pretty much, you can play you can play rugby after a couple of weeks training, but you're not going to be fantastic. I, I don't know what they're they're trying to hold back. Possibly there's going to be injuries. So if you rush boys back in, and you've got an inter, particularly if you've got internationals, and um, there, there's a whole culpability aspect. So if someone if someone so if one of our internationals um, goes out and tweaks the hammy, treats the groin, and they'll be like, well, I've had two weeks pre-season and no, and no um, sports scientist would recommend two, two weeks pre-season straight into um, games. So I guess they, they have to cover their own back and you have to protect the players. But at the same time, we're rugby players and, and you do put yourself at risk every time you go on the pitch. And... I mean, we want to get back playing. We want to be able to do our jobs. And I'm sure the crowds, which aren't going to be there, are going to be able to watch on TV, will be desperate for some live sport. So it's such a tricky one. And I'm glad I'm not one of the decision makers making those, having to make those tough decisions. Because whatever they do, there's always going to be 40% of people that think they're wrong. Or there's always going to be, it's it's just a grey area, isn't it? Yeah, how, yeah. What's so? What? How? What's the sort of feeling with the the, the wage uh, reduction, twenty five percent on block? And do you think now it looks like it is here to stay? And 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 beyond that, you know, sounds like your, your coach is going, obviously. And you know, is it uncertain times for as a player, and certainly at Gloucester? It's definitely uncertain times as a player in the whole league, um, actually, pr- pretty much throughout the world. Um, the twenty five twenty five percent wage cut. I think as players throughout the whole squad, you can understand. You understand if you're not playing the games and you're not bringing the revenue in and the TV money in, then it's tough for the clubs to survive. And at the end of the day, we want we want 12, 13 clubs surviving this. Um, so we have a stronger kind of, we have a stronger league, we have a, a better experience and you don't have uh, a whole load of players becoming redundant yeah. all of a sudden. So we want the clubs first and foremost to be um, back, uh, back playing. You can look at it in two ways. One way of looking at it is it's kind of the owners effectively have have bought a, a rental property. If you want to do something property wise, I know Kieran likes his properties. Um, and sometimes the, the price goes up, sometimes the price goes down. But you still have to keep paying the mortgage. And I guess some of the players feel like if you are back playing, um, the owners the owners may have to kind of stomach a bit bit of that and realise that um, they have to put their hands in their pocket. But then if you're, if you're playing to reduce stadiums and you're not getting the income, um, then it's tricky to justify that the goalposts have shifted like no one could ever imagine. So there's arguments for both sides. We want to get back playing. Um, 
and then kind of that, and that's the time that we can have the, the the discussion on wages going forward. I understand some some teams want to cut the the salary cap, um, which is which is understandable if if less income is coming in year on year. But I'm hoping that within possibly a season, season and a half. The attendances will get back to normal. Um, the TV money will get back to normal, and we will kind of crack on um, at the same level we once were. But there is there is a lot of uncertainty out there. And your coach, last one. Our or... coach, he's yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah. I sent him a message, and he sent me an audio note back. He's he he's been, he was a breath of fresh air. He he um, always had a smile on his face, a positivity. He was very he, he was very kind of tried to be emotionally um, intelligent with the squad kind to try to keep the squad up we didn't have the best run of games um, but you understand that nothing does last forever we did have a, a poor run of form um, but it, it seems like he had an opportunity abroad which was exciting and sometimes you have to kind of make that brave decision so I understand why he has gone I understand why um, the club would have wanted him to stay but also it's tricky for for someone um, as good as Johan is in in his kind of managing players' emotions. If someone's had their head turned, it's also tricky to to keep them on board when that's such a major part of major role of his is to keep the squad kind of positive and happy. So it's a tricky one. I really do appreciate my time with him, but um, it'll be interesting to see who the club promotes or bring in there. I know there's a few names banded around there, but. There's going to be a big change for everyone. Great stuff. Well, Nicky, Nick, well, thanks, thanks, thanks for your time, mate. And no worries. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thank you, and uh, real eye opener. And uh, thanks for your kind words about when we, when I did some sessions with you. And uh, yeah, have a look at Skills Guru. <laughs> Another plug. Have a little look. There's some, there's some little tips in there. Thanks for your time, mate. Appreciate Cheers, it. Cheers, Joe, mate. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers, boys. Cheers. Take care. Cheers, mate. Bye. See ya. Bye. Rocket with Kieran Bracken and Nick Easter. Thanks for listening to today's interviews. Don't forget you can find us on YouTube and Facebook. All you've got to do is search for Rocket Podcast. We'll be back next week with more from Rocket. Thank you. <laughs>